That's the man in the back. Um, such a blessing um, to have him with us. My, my father-in-law pastored a church in the South Bronx for 16 years. And he is currently retired, living in Puerto Rico. But we value his relationship in our lives so deeply. And we're so grateful um, for all the encouragement and the support that we receive from him in ministry. It's so wonderful to be able to have... Um, you know, a wise um, ear in ministry to be able to glean from and to ask questions. And he always shares such valuable treasures um, about being a pastor and being a leader and what that means. And, you know, before Josh and I got married, um, I prayed. I prayed that the Lord would give me um, a husband that had a generation of believers because, as most of you know my story, I do not come from a generation before me of believers. I am, if you will, first generation um, of a Christian in my well, with me and my family. And so the Lord blessed me with my husband and his family. And if you know anything about the Rivera family, they're very deep into ministry. And so everybody, every uncle is a pastor or a missionary, a worship pastor, a worship leader. You have to see the family functions. It's like not even a family function. It's like a big just church. We should call ourselves the Rivera church. And we just sit around and we have fellowship. Like right now there's somebody in another country. Right now there's somebody on a pulpit right now. You know, so it's such a blessing that God has answered um, the cry of my heart, which was to be plugged into a family that was so deeply rooted into the things of God. So thank you, Carlos, for being here and always supporting us. And we love you and we appreciate your ministry and everything that you've given to us as a family. What, didn't she, what she didn't tell you is that we paid him to come because he didn't want to come. So. Um, I just want to jump into it. When my wife uh, told us about the, told me about the title for this message, um, it sounded good. It was like, oh, this is good. This is, this is good. But it had me like on a two-week period where I was just like evaluating my whole life. You know, sometimes in our lives, we've been through so many, so many places in our lives. So many, we went to different churches, you know, trying to find where God wants us to be, how we're going to grow, you know, what it looks like, where, where is this place at. And as we went on a lot of journeys, it got me to a place where we came here. So when we were here, you know, God has been moving and doing different things. But it, the, the title challenged me to wonder, it, it, did I get comfortable? Am I, am I satisfied? You know, you, ate, you go at Thanksgiving, you ate a big meal. You know, you don't want to eat a big meal. You don't want to eat no more. Did I, did I get to a point where I, I ate so much that I don't need no more? So then the title, the title that Lee gave me was, are we there yet? Let's put that weird title on my kids. Look at them. That's our crew. Some of them, some of them participate. The other ones didn't. Like you tell the one in the middle, he, he didn't want to participate. They're so embarrassed right now. But I, I, God, I, you know, basically, God showed me this thing of like a car journey with all these kids. You know, if you, we went to Virginia one year and uh, we was driving. And, the, and you, the word that you're waiting for is, are we there yet? When, when you know there's a destination and you don't know how long it takes and you don't know when the turns are or everything looks the same, you know, you're driving a road, you see trees, and then you see a cow, and then you see like a, a factory, then you see a trees, you're, you're in a Jersey Turnpike, it's just trees and trees. And after a while, you, you get desperate. Like a desperation sits in and there's no one else to do. You play enough video games, you watch the movie, you heard the song six times, and that, that cry comes out, are we there yet? So I want to try to like today just get to a point in our lives where what's the next step in our lives? What, what does God have for us next? 
And I, the, the visual of a car came to my heart where it was like, I'm driving on the highway on this long journey, and I hear the Lord saying that it's time to sh- um, change lanes. It's trying to move to the next step. It's time to get off the exits. But in order to get off an exit, the first thing you do in a car is look back. You have to look back to see where the cars are, are, are next to you, right? Or behind you. But if you look in the side view of the mirror, it says objects are closer than they appear. So now I have to move forward in order to get to the next step. But my, my, what's engraved in my, in my mind, in my heart, is that I have to always look back. And that could be a problem because in the objects on, on the side view mirror, the object is actually looks small. And because it looks small, it seems like it's further away than it actually is, but it's actually real close. And there are places and situations in our lives where the past is, 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 is what we look to in order to move forward. It's our view. It's our way of, 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 of making a decision by looking back. I want to um, read Philippians 3, 12 to 21. Let me read that. You got it up? Because I don't have the verse here. It says, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to, to, my, to, I press on to make it my own because Christ has made it me, me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it on my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything, if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me as, and, and keep, my, keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory and their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things into itself. The, 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 the biggest scripture that stood out to me was verse 13. Brothers, do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I looked at the definition of straining forward, right? It says, force, a part of one's body or oneself to make strenuous or unusual great effort. In order to get to the next place in our lives, we have to sacrifice something that's going to cause us an unusual situation. And what's usual to us is looking in the past in everything we do. It's so easy when every time we move forward to a, a situation or you meet somebody for the first time or you meet a pastor or you meet a, a, a relationship, the first thing that goes to your mind is what happened before. And then instead of looking forward to what God has and believing the next step is going to be better, you filter everything through a negative situation. I had a vision where when I was praying for this and I saw um, people on a journey and all th- there was three different groups and the cars all broke down. And then they were stuck in the desert. And in order for them to come out of the desert is what they thought in their minds and what their minds were set on was able to, that was able to get them out. And I saw one person get into a car and he got out the car and he just, just kind of looked up what to do. And then all of a sudden he had like a jug of water in his hands. And he began to pour the water into the car so that the car could start again. And he, he began on his journey. And then I saw another group come out where they became panicky. 
He started to worry about how we're going to get out of this situation. What are we going to do? And they began to push the car and try to push the car in the desert till they couldn't push it no more. And they began to faint and they fell out to the ground. Then I saw the third person in the group that came, they woke up, uh, got out the car. And as they got out the car, they looked at each other and they said, it's time to move on. And they abandoned the car that was there and able to move forward in their lives. What you do in a broken situation matters how your future is going to look. In our futures, we, we put our past in it. Check, out, check imagine if um, you lost, had a loss of a loved one, right? That's a hard situation. But you know how many people can never move forward from that in life? Not to say, I've never been through that situation, I'll be honest. I can't imagine. My mind goes like into another place just thinking about what that would be like. But you know how many people can't move forward because of that? You know how many people got divorced and they can't move forward from divorce? They can never love again. They don't need a man. They don't need a woman. They have this thought process that they can be by themselves because of the hurt that's there. You know how many people have, have got such great successes in life? And then God has called them to a new stage in their life. And because they can't fit in or because they, they don't know what to do in the next step, they're so used to being on the top that they can't even function to move forward. In our lives, we have to get to a point where we lie those things down before God. Our only goal in life in the situation is not to look what's ahead of us or look to back, but to be obedient to what God tells us to do. When we are hurt and we are broken, the, the natural thing for us to do is to kind of bandage these, these situations up. To bandage it. And, and, and you get to a point, you ever get to a point when you just, something like, you say somebody triggers something in you? They said something to you and hurt your feelings and you got, you got all, all riled up and stuff like that. There was an issue that something was never healed. And every, every word, every situation, every um, um, happens in your job, it will bring up a memory of something that was bad. But God is telling us it's time to move forward. It's time to change lanes. It's time to look forward. I got to a place in my life where I was, had to repent to God. I said, Lord, has I got complacent in my life? Had I feel like I arrived yet? Did I get to that point already, Lord God? If you told me, God told me to get up and to get up and leave this place and go to another place, would I go and obey God? And I told God, no, I wouldn't. I would not go because I'm so used to this. It's good. It's nice. It's not the way it was before. It was hurtful before. It was sad before. And it's good. And God said, you need to let go of the past because you can't even function in the future because you're worrying about the next mistake that's going to happen. You're worrying about what's going to happen. If God's called me and my wife to this is our church, but he called us to greater things, will I go to the greater things because I'm co so concerned about what I have right now? There are friendships that we need to let go of. You have built friendships for so many years and so many relationships with people that it's like wonderful, but it's not wonderful for you. You're drained. You're tired. You're the, you're the one that's to blame for everything. That's a hard situation to be in. But sometimes, you let, just like the, in the vision I saw, sometimes you need to let things go and move on. Because where you're going in the, next, in the season of your life, that person's not going to help you. All they're going to do is keep draining you and draining you and bringing you down. Your decision matters in that place with God. What he speaks to and what he tells you, it matters. But our minds, just like he said in the, in the, in the scripture, our minds need to be looking forward and forgetting those things that lie behind us. We cannot go to the next stage we're having the past in our, in our future. Because the end of that is destruction. Like, just like that example of those people. Their, 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 Lord, their God was their bellies. What they felt inside, their vanity, what they cared about, what they wanted was their God. And they chased after the things of the world. 
desire the things of the world. How many people, you, you know, if you look at yourselves, a lot of times we, we our goal in life sometimes is, yes, to serve the Lord and stuff like that. But I need to get this. I need to get that. If I do this, this will come to me. This will happen for me. And God says, saying, why are you so concerned of these things of the world? Why are you looking at these things in the world when I have something greater in heaven? If our citizenship is in heaven, that means he's coming back for us. And what he's calling us from is in that place. And if we go to look towards that place always as our main goal, not tomorrow, not the next job, not the next friendship, not those things, but looking at the ultimate goal in our lives, we were, we're able to overcome any situation that comes our way. I don't have to pick and choose the, the, the situations anymore. I don't have to look and say, well, what about this person? I, I, have, I have like this confidence. I was telling Lee the other day, this is me talking now, right? I have this thing where I'm just like, look, if, if, if something ain't working for me, that's it. You're out. I, I don't, I, I, told, I told my homeboys and my brothers, I call my brothers, you know, Miguel and Crispy. I was like, look, I ain't loyal to nobody. I'm loyal to Jesus, but you're my brother, so I love you, and I'll tell you the truth. I'll stand in truth with you. I'll be honest with you. I'll, I'll take care of you. I'll be there for you. But if you're wrong, you're wrong. I don't stand with somebody when they're wrong. They're like, he's my friend. No, you're my, you're, no, no way. If you're my friend, I'm going to tell you the truth. And God loves us so much. That's like these songs we were singing to. He loves us so much to tell us the truth. And he's telling us today that in order to move to the next step in your life, to move forward, you need to let go of the past and lay it down. We have journeyed so far. God showed me a vision. In that vision, I saw us coming from New York City. And like, you know, New York is like, I, I took it in my thought, like, it's the new beginning in Christ. We came to Christ in our lives. And we traveled on a journey. But the stop was in Nevada, in the desert. And the only available place that seemed like a, a, a glimmer of hope was, was, was Sin City, which is Las Vegas, in the dream, in the vision I saw. And so many people found it either was, it's, there's water there, there's lights there, so I'm going to return back. And, I, and as, every, as the people I saw moving forward, I kept hearing in the background, the past, the past, the past, the past, the past. We come so far by faith, but the, for the next step in our lives, it requires more faith. And the past is trying to dictate to us and tell us that things will always be the same. They will appear, just like the little mirror on the side, they will appear closer than they, than, than they actually are. And we'll never move forward. We'll never see the truth. We'll never see what God has for us because we always live in the past. It's time to lay those things down. That's a choice that, that I believe Paul was writing this. I, that's a choice he made. He said, I haven't obtained this thing. I haven't obtained perfection yet. No, that I, I will. There will come a time where my body will be transformed and I will be with the Father just like he is. But I, I don't have that yet. But one thing I do have is lay those things down. It's a choice you have to make. The choices you make in the desert season, it's going to matter where the next step you're going to go in your life. If you keep returning to the past, if you keep resorting to your own ways, and what, even the good, the good thing, come on, even the good things in our lives. So many, we build these kingdoms in our lives, and they're wonderful for a season. When God says we're going to move forward, say, oh no, that's not the way I do things. I do them like this. I handle things this way. This worked for me back then. This worked for me, but is it working for you now? It's what you know working for you now. Because if it's not, you need to lay that, even that down and look for what God has ahead for you. Because then we will say to ourselves, well, I know it all. I know it. I have arrived. But we have not arrived. Our ultimate goal is to be with the Father in heaven. We will always of the past, your friendships. It happens to me all the time, especially being in ministry. I remember one time, I think I told a story before, where I was preaching on a Wednesday night, 
and I told George, I was like, you know, you know, Pastor, I was like, listen, uh, just, you know, help me out. If I, you know, you know, give me some pointers and stuff like that if I was ministering. That was a bad mistake, you know what I'm saying? He didn't say anything bad, but I was just like, I wasn't ready for that. I wanted that, but I wasn't ready for that because I was so used to being hurt by other leadership and, and throughout the years of my church. Always being rejected, always being put up to a side and looking for someone to kind of nurture me and get me to a place. So I go into the room, we're in the office in there, and Gary and Pastor George is there, and, and he's like, uh, you know, you told me about if you had any critiques or something like that, you know, I, I will give you some info. So I was like, oh, God, here we go. The first thing that come behind, oh, this guy plays me, I'm going to let it loose up in his mother. I was like, I'm going to let it loose. So I got a real stinky, I got a stinky attitude. I was like, he was like, I just want to share something. I said, oh, should I get a long piece of paper and a pen to begin to write all this nonsense down? And he's looking at me like, what? what's going on here? I was really on the defense already. And he was like, no, nah, no, nah, I just want to share that. That was a blessing to me. And I began to weep and cry. Because I, I was so used to my future always being negative. I was so few, used to someone hurting me or breaking me or saying the wrong word or having mo wrong motives of me that I couldn't even receive somebody in love. I couldn't receive correction or even something good in love because I was always on the defense. I didn't know how to let those things go. I didn't know how to let our arguments go or frustrations and things that go through marriage, things that go through kids, things that go through your job. I didn't know how to let things go. And it always was in my future. Every step I take, there goes the past. God said, change is coming. Change. Okay, God, change. I will look back on how, to, how do I did it before and then try to do it again that way and it didn't work. I had to keep my eyes on God and say, what is your way? What, I don't know what's going to happen next, but where do you have in store for me? And as I kept my eyes on God, then I could hear God clearly in the situation. It would not be this way. It's not going to be like that forever. There's this, there's in, in scripture in Jeremiah 31, 25. It goes this. For I satisfied the weary soul, and every languishing soul I replenished. I looked up that word. I think I'm pronouncing it right, right? Yeah, I did. Praise God. It says, to suffer from being forced to remain in an unpleasant place or situation. How long have we been in this situation? How long have you been in the situation that you're in but nothing has changed? You prayed, you fasted, you asked God to help you. Do this, do that, Lord. All these hurts and wounds are in the way and they're preventing us from moving forward to the next step. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of being in the same place all the time. I don't accept a lot. People say, oh, this is part of ministry, this is part of this. This is what happens in life. No, I don't think so. Not for me. I don't own that stuff. I don't want to be in a place where I'm always frustrated and always looking and lonely and upset. I don't ever want to be in a place like that. And God said, I would take a weary soul and I would refresh them. If you want a refreshing today, there's a decision we make. We can't, God is not hocus pocus. He's going to be like, look, I got all these problems. Take them away from me so I can be a, a good man or a good woman of God. It doesn't work like that. It's decisions that we make. Choices that we make. And God is the choice he's telling us to make today is to lay it down. Lay the past down. Lay what's behind us. Even if it's good, just lay it down. Okay, that's the past. What's new? Never Be, be content in what, what God has given to you, but never be satisfied. Never be satisfied. I have known so many people that are damaged because of church. Damaged because of relationship. Damaged because of friendships. And they can't even function. It's like taboo to go to God again. It's taboo to receive God and, and, and to love again and to move into things of God. It's like taboo because they're damaged. But those people need to just lay, the, lay those things down and see what God has in store for you because it's something wonderful in this season of change. You need direction today? The Lord doesn't give you direction. If you don't think that way, the mindset, God said, I will show it to you and I will reveal those things to you so you can know where to go. Amen.
you know, when we're on this journey, it's oftentimes progressive, right? So we start out in the car and we start, we start out in a very scenic area where, you know, we can say, oh, look at that. Oh, look, I've never seen that monument before. I've never seen that building before. I've never seen that stadium before. And everything's really exciting in the beginning. But then the progression comes. And as the progression comes, then you're in that area where all you see are cornfields and wheat stalks. Like my husband was saying earlier, you see an occasional horse. You ever play that? I used to play that game when I was a kid. We used to take long road trips with my aunts, and it would be like, you know, five points, whoever spots a cow, and then we'd all be like looking. Or if it was nighttime, it's like, oh, watch out for the deer, you know, and you play these games just to get through that progressive part of the journey, right? And spiritually, that part of the journey where there's almost nothing to be seen where everything is really sort of boring and there's no excitement as you're driving, there's nothing really to look at, that's the point spiritually where we can begin to develop almost like a bitterness in the process. And when I was praying about this and as I went before the Lord, I heard him say, share with my people that I don't want them to resent the development stage right? So you think about a baby that's inside of a womb. That baby takes nine months to develop, develop the brain right, the lungs right, the heart right, right? So that the legs are just the right length. So when it comes out of the womb, they're strengthened enough so that every muscle and every tendon is perfectly knit together. So after that nine months, that baby is ready to face the world. The baby doesn't really know anything because they're ignorant inside the womb, and so they can't really say, oh, man, hurry up already. This is taking too long. Can't get out there in the world fast enough. But sometimes for us, and, and just being human, right, just being human, we begin to become frustrated with the development process. And it's oftentimes a very lonely and obscure place when we're developing. The womb is a very dark, quiet muffled place you don't really see things very clearly if you've ever seen those videos you know where they put the little camera inside the woman as the baby develops it's dark right the baby has everything that it needs on the inside of the womb to develop the right way but it's not a very exciting place and so what happens to us is as we're developing we can develop these frustrations but here's the thing i really truly believe in my heart, that the journey, that God created the journey to allow these frustrations to come to the surface. Because there is something that we are being prepared for in the development stages. And as we progress in our development, we come face to face and get smacked right with the very things that just make us want to tear everything apart or punch a wall or, you know, you know what I mean? Like it just makes you say, oh, I just want to give up or I just want to turn back or I don't even want to do this anymore. But I believe that there is almost a grace, that that is almost God's grace to us when we hit those walls. Because if it wasn't for that lonely, obscure, progressive moment on the road, we would never discover the things that could hinder us when we get to that place that God has prepared for us. Amen? Does that make sense? So there's a place where God is destined for us to be. 
I mean, we need to find contentment along the journey and say, yes, God has me here in this season and I'm going to give it all I have, but I have a bigger vision and I believe God's going to take me to this place one day. And that's wonderful. The Bible says that without vision, the people perish. So we've got to have a vision. We've got to have a goal in mind. However, Without us seeing those things, those frustrations, those things that can hinder us, we would never be able to tend to them and to lay them before the feet of Jesus. We'd never be able to do that. And so that God could strengthen us in our weak places. Because what you're struggling with right now along the journey needs to be surrendered because to whom much is given, much is required. So I don't know what you're believing for, but you've got to lay that thing down because that anger and the way that maybe you can't control that right now, you can't do that where the road is taking you. You can't do that in the prepared place for that vision. You can't do that there. There's more at stake there. So don't be angry when you're in this very obscure place where no one really knows your name. And nobody really knows who you are. No one really listens to your words. You could have a wealth of knowledge. You could be sitting in the school of the spirit in your home, reading the Bible every day, knowing nuggets of treasure and wisdom, yet nobody will give you their ear. That's okay. There is nothing that you're doing in your walk with Christ that is in vain. If you're sitting in a quiet, obscure place at this point in your life and the Lord is giving you a message, write it down. Don't get angry like, I don't even know why I dreamt this dream, or I don't even know why I had this vision, or I don't even know why God is speaking to me prophetically because I have no one to say it to. How frustrating, right? We serve ultimately an audience of one. We serve an audience of one. You know, I heard this saying one time, or it was like a, a line in a song that said, Sing your song for one like you would for a thousand. So if he is my only audience at this point, in my living room, on my knees, tears just streaming down my face, then I'm going to sing my song for one the way that I would for a thousand. And guess what that builds? That builds integrity. It builds integrity, and integrity is the main ingredient that keeps you at no matter what level God takes you to. And if you can practice holiness, and if you can practice faithfulness on the progression of the journey where it's most frustrating in the most obscure places, then believe me, you are gaining more than what you could ever understand at this moment in time. Hindsight is 2020. You're never really going to know the wealth of the journey until you get to the next place. There was a time where for 11 years I was a stay-at-home mom. I, I stayed at home. I raised my babies. That was a personal choice that I made. I thank God every day that I have my mother-in-law to support me. And I don't know, I want to say this publicly to my mother-in-law. I love you, Naomi. And you allowed me to stay home for 11 years to be in your home to provide in a way so I could raise my babies. And there is no greater gift that you could have ever given me in this life. So I love you so much and I honor you for that. I honor her for that. I honor my husband for working so hard and for allowing me to stay home with my kids. But let me tell you something. I had some really frustrating days. 
Like, I had frustration in my life. Daisy, come on now, girl. You just, you know, you staying home. You had a little break. I know you're home now, but you know how it is, right? Like, we create schedules just so that our babies could be okay. And seriously, I really think it's more for us. Like, I think it's more so that the moms could be okay. Like, I put myself on a schedule so I'd wake up every day. I'd give the kids breakfast. I'd do this. Then we'd have nap time, you know, park time, whatever. And it helped me, right? It helped me stay sane because I could have lost my mind. I had five babies. I was raising five babies, three, all of which were these older ones. Okay, so the one rolling her eyes back there and this one looking down right here, they're twins, and he's the oldest one, so they're a year, those three are a year and two weeks apart. It was like having triplets. Everybody was in Pampers. Everybody got a bottle. People, they got, we got names written on bottles, so if that one was sick, didn't give that bottle to that one. But let me tell you, when one went to the bathroom, they all went to the bathroom. When one threw up, they all threw up. And I mean, there were times where we were just like, we were going to lose our minds. My 20s was just raising babies. But this is the, this is the journey that I wanted. I, you know, understand that, please. You know, I, I wanted this journey. My kids, Ashton just asked me this morning, Mom, did you really always want five kids? Yes, Ashton. He looks up at me, he says, why? <laughs> anyway, we could go somewhere with that, but that's another story. The point is, is that I got to this place where I was so alone and, and I had this song in me and I had these messages in me and I had so much of a wealth of God was revealing things to me in this, in the nap times where my kids, you know, or the babies would take naps and God was showing me all this stuff and I had nowhere to put it. I had nowhere to pour it out. And I was in an obscure season and someone came to me in my old, old, old church and they said to me, I know that your days are really quiet right now. They were like, but I'm telling you, there's coming a day where you are going to be so busy and so overwhelmed with so much that you're going to do for the kingdom of God that it's going to overwhelm you. And I nearly laughed in her face because I was like, oh, my God, no way. Like, I'm just my life. I have no life. Like, all I have is babies. Who wants to hang out with a woman with all these babies? Thankfully, I have my one or two faithful friends that, like, always, you know, <laughs> that we raised our babies together. But the point is, is that in this obscure place, I never thought I was going to get out of it. And now I look around and I'm like, whoa, God, it was true. And I know I'm not even walking in the fullness, in the fullness of the vision that I've seen. But whoa, look at how much God has given to me. Look at how, how, how full my hands are, how I turn around and I'm like, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And there's so much to do now. And I thank God for it. But you know, I know that I'm in good company and I know that you are too. Because just like Joseph, for those of you who know the story of Joseph, Joseph was in a pit. Joseph saw the bigger vision. He saw that he'd be exalted. He saw that he'd be a leader and a ruler. But he spent 13 years in obscurity, in a place where no one knew his name, no one knew his importance, but he was called. And he didn't allow that to dictate his integrity or his faithfulness to God while he was in that pit. He knew he served a faithful God. And he continued to minister the same thing like David. David called, anointed, Samuel anointed him as king. But look at all that he went through. Saul wanted to rip his head off, and all David did was be a best friend to his son. All David do, did was defend Israel. But yet he got all this flack for it for years and years and years until he actually 
stepped foot into the vision, into the calling, into the fulfillment of what he was actually called to do. Moses, a beautiful example. Obscurity. And this is my favorite one. I don't know if you all realize this, right? But this hit me hard. Somebody shared something with me the other day about what they read about Jesus. And it was someone's commentary. And it was saying how Jesus spent 90% of his life unknown, unimportant, not known by the world. 90%. And only 10% of his life was lived out in the public being known by all the world. But yet this world dictates to us and calls out to us that we ought to have a platform. That everybody should be heard. That everybody should be seen. That we should have a million friends on Instagram. And we should have a thousand likes every time we put up a picture. Right? This is what the world and the society and our culture screams out to us. But if we're really following after Jesus, are we prepared to have the majority of our lifetime sit where no one knows us? where we're sitting in obscurity and we're unimportant to the world? Because if you're saying yes, that you want to follow Jesus, then you're saying yes to the fact that you're ready, you're willing, you're able to sit and you're able to surrender and you're able to be in a place where nobody knows you but where your faith is full and where you understand that when it is your time and the fulfillment of that vision comes to pass, the power and the authority and the integrity of the Holy Spirit is going to flow through you in an unimaginable way. But in this obscure moment, in this development stage, if you develop bitterness in your heart because God is taking too long, guess what's going to happen? And this is what the Lord showed me. He showed me a foothold. If you develop bitterness, what happens is the enemy says, ooh, 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 I got, I got a foot. I got a foot in. Ooh, ooh, I can put my foot right there. There we go. There we go. She's got bitterness. Okay. Okay. So now I'm going to lie to her because I got my foot in the door, right? I got my, yeah, Satan got his foot in the door. When you begin to resent the process and the journey, and he says, now I can speak into his ear. Now I can tell him that it will never work. Now I can tell her that she's a fool for believing that a Boaz will ever come to her. Now I can make him believe that all that time that he spent on his face in the Lord and faithful to God is a total waste of time. And Satan then gets a foothold. And we have to be very careful because obscurity and the place of quietness is a blessing from the Lord. But hear me, the enemy will come in if you develop bitterness and he will take the blessing of God and he will twist it just like the devil does. And he will make you believe that that is the worst, darkest time of your life. And that is a lie. This quiet season where nothing much is happening Let me tell you, there is so much going on in the spirit. There is so much. You are sitting 
under a wealth of knowledge. You are being taught of the Lord. You are being taught of Jesus. You are being taught by the Holy Spirit how to deal with people. You are being taught by the Holy Spirit how to absorb the word. You are being taught by the Spirit how to discern. You are being taught by the Spirit how to go when he says go and come back when he says come back. You're learning when to let go of a friendship and when to gain another one. You're learning when to say yes and you're learning when to say no. You are sitting under a wealth of knowledge. So don't allow this season of the journey to be thwarted by the enemy and to be twisted. Because this obscure place is a blessing from the Lord. 1 Peter 5, 6-10 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hands of God, so that, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He don't care who it is. You give him a foothold, he's ready to devour you. He's ready. Ready, willing, and able. It says, resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And how about we, 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 we lessen that a little bit. How about the same kind of sufferings that you're walking through? You are not the only one. You are not isolated. You are not the only one walking through your circumstance. Don't let the enemy lie to you to make you believe that you're the only one. You are not the only one who's suffering that. You just may be the only one that's not saying anything about it. You might be the only one that's not going to somebody else and grabbing a hand in prayer and saying, hey, could you lift me up? You're not the only one. It's okay to not be okay, but make sure you find somebody to pray with, to pray with about that. Because it says, and after you have suffered a little while, imagine God interpreting Joseph's suffering a little while. Imagine God interpreting Moses' suffering a little while. Imagine God interpreting David's suffering a little while. He said, after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore. Please remember these words. After you have suffered a little while, he promises to restore you, to confirm to you all those things that you have been believing for, to strengthen you, and I love the last one, to establish you. He will establish the work of your hands. And what you have committed to God in prayer, in that secret place, he promises to establish that for you as long as you are willing to surrender that in quiet. And I just want to end with this. And if Nathaniel could come, I asked him to play a little bit on keys for me. Matthew 6, 6 says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. Shut the door. Don't just pray because before you pray, you need to shut the door. And you might be saying, shut what door? This is the escape. This is where the enemy, right? Because didn't I say that the enemy could have his foot right there, right? 
But you got to go to that secret place and you got to take the door and you got to shut that door. You got to shut that door to the enemy. You have to shut the door to your own understanding. You have to shut the door to the, your anger towards God. You have to shut the door and shut out the voices of the world. You have to shut out and shut the door to the fears that call your name. You have to shut the door to the pain that others inflict upon you. You have to shut the door to the vengeance that sits on the crevices of your heart. You have to shut the door to the voice voices and the noise of confusion. You have to shut the door to self-hatred and to depression. You have to shut the door to impatience and unforgiveness and ungodliness and addictions and sexual promiscuity and adultery and bitterness and hopelessness and discontentment and faithlessness and unbelief. And when you have shut that door, when you have gone into your secret place and shut that door, then go pray. Then go pray. Because there is something that is required of us. Let us not be foolish and believe that this is all, oh, God just does for me. Because the sobering idea here is that we are co-laboring with Jesus. We are co-laborers, and there is a responsibility that we bear in our walk with God. And if we have given a foothold to the enemy, then it is our job to shut the door and to seek his face. And then the Bible says that when you seek him, and when you go after him, he will draw near to you. He will draw nigh to you, the Bible says. And he wants to be so close to you on this journey. He wants to come so close and intimate into those places that are frustrating you. But don't let those frustrations and those weaknesses that you see, don't count yourself out now because of that. You are fully qualified. You are fully equipped by the grace of God. The grace of God would never call you where the grace of God cannot keep you. And if God has called you along the journey and he's telling you to go down this obscure road the same way he did, then best believe that he's going to take you to that promised land, that he's going to take you into that destined place that he has ordained for only you to fulfill. I would like everybody to stand for a moment. I want to invite you this morning, if you feel like the place that you've been called to it's not a special place anymore. Maybe that vision has dulled on, the in, dulled on the inside of you. Maybe it seems like so far off that you've stopped reaching for it because you've said, well, it's never going to happen. There's, there's just too much. And I don't know if you're believing for a marriage. I don't know if you're believing for a ministry. I don't know if you're believing for your loved ones to be saved I don't know what you're believing for this morning, but I know if you're standing here, you're believing for something. And if your vision has become dull and you felt like the weight of discouragement over you, I want you to lift your hand. Now, we normally say we're not going to look around the room, but I want everybody to look around the room. Because you know what? At some point, we are all discouraged with the vision that God has given to us. And it's okay. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be on fire about the vision that God has given you no matter what it is in your life. It's okay. 
the reason why it's okay is because you have a cloud of witnesses in this room that can attest to the faithfulness of God and that will hold your hand and believe with you when you are weak and when you cannot believe. And so if you need that extra strength this morning, I don't want to invite you to come down to the altar. I want to invite you to come down this morning. And uh, we have so many beautiful Holy Spirit-filled people on our prayer team who would be more than willing to hold your hand and to pray with you, to weep with you, to rejoice with you. One of the things when we, I notice a lot of times it's natural for other people to pray for you, but it's even more powerful to stand in agreement with what you believe. Because I can pray for somebody or somebody can pray for them, but if you don't believe that and you don't follow that, that's not the life you want to live, there is no change. So when you come to the front, you're asking God for something. You're standing on something. You, you want to do something in your life. What people are going to do in the front is stand in agreement with you. Stand by your side and what you're believing for until we see that thing actually come to pass. Amen? So if that's you, come on, guys, just come to the front. The prayer team, you guys can come up to the front. Anybody that's in the ministry, just come to the front, and they're going to stand in agreement with you. They're not going to pray you to death and say, hey, take this uh, this stuff away from me. Ain't nobody going to take nothing away from you. Only Jesus is going to do that. So we'll stand in agreement with you what you believe today. I'm just going to sing a song over you, just a song of hope. Just a song of release that God would reveal to you the fullness of his presence in your circumstance in this hour in your life.